Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Freedom Wire, your number one source for patriotic truth. Grace, Connor, Ryan, and myself, Sean, we're all here today to talk to you guys about the latest uh, Facebook outage, what it means, what it could mean, and is there an agenda behind this whole whistleblowing incident? We're going to dive into that, but before we do, do us a favor, like this video, share this video, comment on this video. Were you distressed because you couldn't log into any of your social media platforms yesterday? If so, comment below. Also, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel and hit the notifications button. That way you'll know every time a new episode is up. Also, if you're not a member of FreedomWire, it's really easy to become one. Click the link on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. Give us your email. We'll start sending stories that are important to conservatives like you and like us and you won't hear anywhere else. All right, guys. Um, <clears throat> as I was saying before we logged in or before we started recording, I can't stand the fact that we have to talk about social media, that this is a news story. The fact that this is something that we have to uh, engage in uh, as, a, as a news editorial outlet that... Um, it drives me crazy, but here we are talking about uh, probably one of the most misused tools of the 21st century, and that's social media. Yeah, and I, right at the start, want to mention the fact that there's got to be something else going on with this because we're not alone in it. You know, we, as much as we hate having to get into social media and it's, you know, it's a no brainer how much it sucks we are not the only ones talking about this and that's unusual usually when we are going over something big tech is doing some revelation about how corrupt it is how biased it is all the stuff going on behind the scenes we're among the only people discussing it because most people don't want to but right now this thing with the facebook whistleblower her testimony the facebook outage it's all over national and international news and that doesn't typically happen so if mainstream media is covering it it's because they want you to hear a certain thing about it that's why what we're here to discuss isn't the fact that oh facebook went down for seven hours but rather why and rather what this whistleblower is saying that might be you know having to read between the lines here but yes we hate social media we hate big tech we hate what they have done to people and that's why you see a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon with, oh, support this whistleblower. She's pulling back the curtain. Might not be pulling it back in the exact way we think. She might be pulling the curtain back to pull the wool over our eyes. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it. Well, I think I have a, a different opinion on this than all of you guys, or a couple of you at least. I'm not sure that it was there was any conspiracy behind this blackout. I think that there's always cyber wars going on between big companies like that and even little companies. There's cyber wars going on all the time. People get attacked, sometimes they win. And I think that it could have just been a simple case of that. This is not the first time we've seen Facebook go down and in, in its affiliated platforms for a long period of time. So I'm not convinced that is anything out of the ordinary, but of course, timing is weird. Could be some kind of crazy cover-up, but I'm just not convinced. Yeah, but it, it wasn't an attack. They said it wasn't an attack. What they're saying was, and this is the story. It's, but do you think they would admit if they were attacked? Because um, if shock is also something to protect. So here, hold, hold on, Sean, hold on. 
before, yes. I think before we get too far ahead of ourselves here, we got to put events in context, you know, establish our timeline here. So basically over the weekend, a Facebook employee turned whistleblower uh, had a 60 minute segment revealed a whole bunch of stuff that apparently nobody knew about. It's kind of what we have said has been going on all along. Basically, Facebook manipulates timelines and algorithms and stuff to put content in front of people that keeps them engaged for longer so that Facebook makes more money and it's harmful and they know it and they continue to do it. Uh, she went on to talk about studies on the negative influences of self-esteem on kids and adults alike who, who use social media. Then the day after that, yesterday, uh, Facebook- October 4th. In, for, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, October 4th, sorry. Yeah, that was this Monday. Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp all of which they're all subsidiaries of Facebook, they all went down and remained down for seven hours. Then today, that same whistleblower is testifying in front of the Senate on the same information she revealed. So part of what makes it suspicious, or at least, you know, has the rumor mill going crazy right now is the fact that this blackout happened right between the expose and the Senate testimony. That's what's got people a little bit curious here. But anyway, now the timeline established. Sean, please continue with what you were saying. Yes. So, so in that timeline, what they're what Facebook is saying happened is one employee, just one, pushed the wrong button at the wrong time to reset some kind. I don't. Again, I'm not a computer uh, nerd or anything like that, so I don't know the ins and outs. I can just give you basically what they did was they is they pushed the or the, there was a code that they needed that was in a locked car that was locked and they couldn't get in to press the code at the right time or something along those lines it's a very weird scenario um and because they weren't able to get the code in at the correct time or or uh what happened was the servers could not um uh communicate with like the World Wide Web at the like their their time was off, and because there are so many servers, uh, it took them a very long time to figure out where this went wrong, how to then they had to troubleshoot it and then they had to fix it. So it, that is the story Facebook is giving us, which seems very, again, tinfoil hat on your head. One employee, one locked car, couldn't get in it at the right time, missed the button push, and it went down for seven hours. Meanwhile, uh, this was a costly mistake for Facebook. They lost billions of dollars, not only in revenue, but in share price. And, and um, it makes, it make, it's just a weird situation for, the, for that to be come down to one employee making one mistake or not being able to click the right button at the right time. Right, and well, to that point, I mean, I think it's, I don't think they would intentionally go black out everything so that they could wipe data knowing that they're gonna lose billions of dollars in investors and hurt themselves. Well, it depends on how costly this testimony could be. If this testimony makes it so they have to break up uh, Instagram, uh, WhatsApp and what, 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 what have you, you know, break up their monopoly as, as people are calling it, which I think is a part of capitalism and monopolies are monopolies for reasons. Um, 
the fact of the matter is it's it's like it could cost them even more money had they not shut down voluntarily to wipe their servers of any uh wrongdoing or whatever so it, it could cost that it, could, it, it they might have had a cost risk analysis and found that this was a cheaper option and again this is all conjecture um and it, it's all based on the timing of this outage being down between the 60 minute the day between the 60 minute interview and the senate hearing it's just that's what's getting if this were to happen at any other time nobody would be saying boo they'd be saying well looks like that person screwed up it is the timing of it that makes it seem a little fishy well switching gears to that testimony of francis hogan who used to work for facebook who was the one on 60 minutes and released all those documents and she tested in front of congress on tuesday um earlier today way, as we're recording what this. an unfortunate last name hogan yeah I think that's how you say it, right? Hogan? Hogan? Fact check me, fact checkers. I don't know. But anyway, but she was she was up there talking, and one of part part of her testimony that I found interesting, and that to me I feel like is call me cynical, but maybe the real motive of her testimony was she was in charge of basically the team that was regulating or uh policing the 2020 election information that was online. And she felt distraught that a lot of the people that were on that team went to other parts of the of the company for different other group projects and stuff. And and then she was kind of insinuating, not more, well, more than insinuating that the whole misinformation on Facebook is an issue and they're not taking it serious enough. So call me cynical, but I take that as code for they're they're still giving too much. The algorithm's still benefiting the uh, the the conservative media sites too much, like because they have engagement. I don't know, maybe this is that's a leap, but I don't think I'm. There's a chance I might be a little bit right. Yeah, and discussing Hoggins' testimony kind of brings us to the other point here because, yeah, the the timing of the shutdown and everything was a little bit suspicious, but like Sean said, that's all conjecture. What is most definitely not conjecture is the stuff that makes Frances Hoggin herself a little bit suspicious. Like I said right at the beginning, uh, she's pulling back the curtain, but not really in the way you would expect someone who actually wants to take down big tech would. Because, yeah, great, you hear insider documents and uh, Facebook whistleblower. That all sounds really good to people like us, like us who hate big tech. But when you actually get into what she's saying, she went public, not because of rampant abuse by big tech platforms, but rather because she saw people she knew got get radicalized by misinformation on social media. She went public with all this stuff because she didn't like the way that big tech was allowing things to run around on their platforms. So rather than wanting to knock big tech down a peg, she's actually calling for more censorship, more information regulation, more fact-checking. So all the horrible stuff that big tech is already doing, she's mad that they're not doing enough of it. She wants them to do more of it. And there was just the breaking news story shortly before we started this episode about how uh, Frances Hagen is very deeply involved in the cutting-edge wokeness of big tech. She worked for Pinterest, helping to stop... Uh, racial discrimination in AI programs and she's worked with Google for various women's programs and stuff 
And she's also currently having legal representation from the same people who represented the anonymous whistleblower in the Trump Ukraine gate thing back during the first impeachment. So we have also found out that she gave large amounts of money to various democratic platforms, including donating to AOC campaigns and AOC's climate initiatives. So this is not some- She's so full of crap. Yeah, yeah she, she has not become yeah. right-wing one to take down big tech because she's seen the suppression of the conservative voice. This is no. a deep-seated big tech insider who is actually going public because she wants big tech to do more to suppress people like us. So while it might be a good thing to listen to, this is not a woman to get behind. This is not a woman to lend your support to. And it was really, yeah, if you're going to, I mean, she's testifying to save the kids, guys. That's mm. the perfect. You can't criticize her because she wants to save the kids. I mean, who doesn't want to save the kids? From, you know, obviously, we, we, I'm pretty sure I'm speak, I can speak for everybody here. We, we don't want, you know, that kind of stuff to happen to kids. It's terrible. But that, to me, is the Trojan horse for what she really is testifying for. It's just like, don't criticize, you can't criticize her because she's, she's looking out for the kids. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's been bipartisan support on, on both sides, of course, political aisle to take big tech down because most people agree that they're just too powerful. I think everyone knows well, then maybe not normal people, but I think the people in power know that they could just flip on a dime if they want to, and no one's safe. They might come for one group first, but as soon as they have that group under control, they're going to go for the next group on their list, and they're the ones in control. It's not the Democrats. The Democrats might try to persuade them and lobby them into doing certain things, but at the end of the day, big tech has all the power, so I can understand why this whistleblower might be like, might be a Democrat, it might seem surprising to some people, but I think it's perfectly normal considering that both of them, both Democrats and Republicans have come together to oppose big tech. Well, yeah. thank you. Oh, go ahead, John. I, I was just gonna say, you know, it, it's easy to figure out the liberal agenda. Their liberal agenda is simple. They want to give the government as much power as possible so they don't have to do anything. They want, they want the government to take care of all their problems. They want the government to pay them to stay home and so they can paint pictures like they're Bob Ross or something. This is what they want. And, and happy regulations. Happy regulations. That, yeah. So by trying to regulate big tech even more, what she's looking to do isn't so much take power away from big tech as much as it is give more to the federal government and that's really be more of a, it would be more of a merging of the powers of big tech and the federal government because right now big tech is definitely in bed with the federal government they take their cues from them they basically just pass along whatever narrative is given to them but they're not one in the same basically what uh francis hogan is pushing for here and you know this movement is kind of bringing up is we need the federal government directly involved in uh in big tech in social media in online regulation of things not they're giving their cues to them but rather it's the federal government who fact checks things it's the government that decides which posts are censored and which are not and that would kind of be the last 
breakdown there. And that, that's why I think even big tech is kind of fighting back against this because not that they're, you know, suddenly standing up for uh, free speech and all that, but because they want to be the ones who are able to control that. They don't want to be rendered useless by having the government come along and cut them out. They want they to want be the government. ones doing it. Yes, exactly. And if you recall a few years back, there was even talk of Mark Zuckerberg eyeing the White House down the line. So that would kind of be a concern if that's still a thing that is in talks. And given how crazy things are now politically, you never know. We could see a Zuckerberg run for the White House eventually. He's talked that, about it multiple that would times. Never ever work. The guy's an automaton. And and the bottom the bottom line when it, and I hate to say this but it's it's true you have to be personable you have to be charismatic in order to become the president of the United States. Unless you're Joe Biden. What's wait a second, I was going to say. Unless you're Joe wait, Biden. Are you sure oh, about no, that? No, no. Joe, Joe, you know what Joe Biden got in on? Joe Biden got in on his past laurels as the good guy, the fun guy. You know that Joe Biden. This Joe Biden is 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 a totally different different person, not literally like some of those conspiracy conspiracy theorists think, uh, comparing ears and things like that. I mean, here's but, all I'm saying: when well, we we've already seen firsthand what happens when uh, organized media and big tech are willing to carry water for an unqualified presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. So stranger things have been known to happen. Uh, we've already seen sufficient algorithm manipulation and online marketing to influence elections. Because even if you go as far back as 2016, sure, Trump wasn't in bed with Russia. The Russians didn't hack things to put him in power, but they did meddle. They did try to influence things for the purpose of causing chaos, not to install Trump, but just because they wanted to screw with us. In that respect, it's actually the most successful thing the Russians have ever done, because here we are all these years later still feeling the effects of it. But they used social media to do it. Now, of course, a lot of those were in the form of barely literate Facebook ads and online bots, but it happened. And people have been getting better at it since then because they saw the effect it can have. So... Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg running for president probably wouldn't go over too well. We are eventually going to see a more gradual merging of big tech, organized media, and the government because it's already underway. Sean, you wrote an article today about how uh, MSNBC, CNN, organizations like that are essentially propaganda arms for the Democratic Party uh, functioning like that in all but name by this point. We will eventually get to a point where it's all like that, including the name. That's the goal. That's the merger they're going for because that's complete control. And we might not be there yet, but we are taking dramatic steps to get closer. Mm-hmm. Well, and bringing it back to the 2016 Facebook, uh, I think uh, th- there's like five Russian memes. So I'm not even going to, they were just using that. Brad Parcell from the Trump campaign beat them at their own game. They hate him for it. They hate the Trump campaign because they actually finally figured out how to use Facebook properly to their advantage. They, they did it by the law. They did it by the books and they hate it. And they, so they were creating that. That's why they turned on Facebook and they make up their Russian stuff too. I feel a lot of it. They, they got beat. They hate it. 
Yeah, I don't I wanted to add in that Facebook already has so much power that candidates need Facebook to win. That's why Trump is fighting so hard to get back on Twitter and back on Facebook, especially because he knows that he needs Facebook. Because unfortunately, there's so many voters out there who are on Facebook all the time and people who Republican voters who actually go out and vote are more often the older people. And that's the crowd on Facebook. So they need that. They need the advertising, the monetization tools, all that stuff for exposure and everything. So they know that. And if Facebook can just keep Trump off the platform or who, whatever candidate they oppose, then they'll probably be successful in taking that election from them. It's funny how a social media ban is like probably the best thing for Trump because it cuts off the mean tweets that made so many people dislike him. But at the same time, if he's not on social media, he's going to fall behind in campaigns because he won't be able to interact with potential voters. It's a bit of a catch-22 for him there. But yeah, we are now at a point where big tech makes and breaks elections. And until we figure out how to either balance that or regulate it, it's just gonna get worse. And as you know, great as it is to see things like you know, big tech exposés in the media, the fact that the media is willing to cover it shows that this is not something that would in any way benefit principles of free speech and open expression and stuff like that because or that's not their agenda. Or privacy. That's the, yeah, that, that's what, I mean, look, if you have a social media account, the bottom line is you're being uh, monitored by the United States government. We know that they've said that, that Facebook has given them, you know, access to the fact checking. That's, that's there. We know we're being monitored by our phones. We know we're being, I mean, we, we are under the government's thumb, even though it is invisible. And there's, and you really can't function nowadays without, without these things. Think about, there was uh, uh, thousands of small businesses, maybe, you know, maybe, uh, you know, tens of thousands of small businesses that lost a lot of money yesterday due to the Facebook outage. There was, mm -hmm. I mean, this is, it is, everything is now tied together through technology. And this is both great because it gives you such a wide uh, net to, to, you know, hopefully catch customers with, but at the same time, as it, when something like this happens, you lose your access to that, to those fish. And, and unfortunately it's, this is going to only get more or, or worse, I guess, in the future. This, we will eventually be almost an, an, a uh, strictly online economy. Well, and that's why de um, decentralization and diversification are so important. Like it's important as a business to be on multiple platforms, platforms where you might not get censored on or banned on or whatever. And the more that we're able to do that, the more these smaller companies make more money and make a better user interface so that things are more spread out. And the only reason Facebook and Twitter and whoever have so much power and money now is because they have a superior service. If other companies can get to that level, then I think we'll have much better options in the future. And it, 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 there's precedence for this because MySpace was the rage in the early 2000s. And then Facebook came along. And next thing you know, MySpace like more like basically disappeared. I mean, it's still around in some form, but nobody that I know goes to it. 
Well, we have to reinvent or else they'll disappear. Yes. So and this like, is this, this is kind of the kind of the point here because you look at uh what Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, like the big social media online platforms have done. They took ideas that weren't necessarily original, but they just did it better than everybody else. And they stayed ahead of the curve with all their updates and their ongoing things. Mm -hmm. um, if, you, if anyone who's watching this is a Twitter user, you'll know about how Twitter tried to roll out that fleets thing that was essentially the equivalent of an Instagram story, but for Twitter, you know, post the short video or the photo or something like that, that it's not a permanent post, it remains for 24 hours. Well, Instagram kind of borrowed that from stuff like Snapchat and things like that. And Twitter tried to roll it out. It didn't work and they got rid of it. It's this ability to quickly update and adapt to what people want that makes these platforms so great. The problem comes in when you see how they close ranks with themselves, with companies like Google and with the government itself to shut down competition. Uh, you need to look no further than the thing that happened with Parler back in January after the Capitol riot. You know, that sinister thing that not only wasn't really planned beforehand, but the little coordination that was done was all done on Facebook and Twitter. Well, no, it was, it was coordinated on Parler. Shut down Parler, ban Parler. We have to have injunctions against them and remove them from app stores and stuff. Well, it certainly wasn't because Parler was responsible for the riot, but it did have a lot to do with these companies being threatened by an upstart social media program that was putting them out of business. So it's important to have, you know, diversification and, you know, a wide variety of choices. But this is where monopolies become so problematic when they shut down all competition and then get government and other outside corporations to back them on it that's mm -hmm. why we know that big tech is bloated and overpowered because with some monopolies it's unavoidable like i was saying twitter and facebook these companies provide a product that is basically and arguably the best product on the market right now the problem is that they stop any other product from ever coming on the market so that nobody can ever judge them based on what's available it's easy to be the best game in town when you shut down every other game. So that's how we know that uh, big tech, Facebook, Twitter, these companies did to get taken down a peg. And unfortunately, all this new information that's come out in the last two days, the shutdown and everything, that's not what's gonna do it. And honestly, at this point, I don't think we know what will. We just know it has to happen. Well, government uh, monopoly, I agree, because I'm actually a proponent of monopolies get a bad name, but if it's pure competition monopolies where they've earned it on their own, I have no problem with it. There's, they have to keep, still keep producing a good product, otherwise they're going to be caught by competition. But when the government's involved, it's impossible for competitors and barriers, and it creates a huge barrier of entry. So that's a whole different ballgame. There's this... Uh, it's kind of it's basically, but well, it's not basically. It is what happens in socialist countries. That's what they have. So their monopolies there by the government, and you see how that happens. So that's when now when big tech joining up with government, that is a dangerous, and that is something that we have to talk about fixing. If government controls a monopoly and shuts down competition, isn't that essentially the same thing as government seizing the means of production for all intents very, and purposes? If they're the only way to get essential goods and services they've seized the means of production which is how you have communism that's the entire point you can't compete so, with the government because they have the force of law behind them exactly 
but unfortunately the government also has no incentive to improve or make things better as long as they can make money and stay in power off of what they're already providing so that's why we really have to watch and make sure that the government does not try to get further involved in this because if you don't like the way big tech is right now you're certainly not going to like it when the government gets involved to the degree that uh francis hagan is calling for right now because then it's over then it's it's just your government approved social media account and that doesn't bode well for anybody who voted for donald trump and i'll add one more important thing um you know the government and big tech can't collude and shut down competition on platforms if platforms are not using big tech to build their business, which is exactly what Parler did. They were able to be shut down because of course their app was only available in the app stores, which you don't have to do. And they were built on Amazon host web hosting services, AWS, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. And there are other web hosting services. So that was their biggest mistake was counting on Amazon and Google and Apple to just be nice with them and not do anything to them when they became a threat. So then that's exactly, I don't know if you guys have heard of Getter, but that's a exploding Twitter alternative platform right now. Millions of people have joined it and I'm not trying to advocate for them. It kind of sounded like a commercial there for a second, but they uh, got around that. They use a, a different hosting service platform. They have backup options. They know what they're going to do if they get shut down by Google and Apple and they have other ways to get around that. So now if the government wants to collude with one of them, they won't be able to get shut down. So. And that's why it's important for people who, like that who don't agree with what big tech and big government are doing right now. That's why it's important for them to get involved in helping these things actually function. Because of course there's gonna be kinks in every process. There's, no app is gonna be perfect right off the bat because Facebook and Twitter weren't perfect right off the bat. They still aren't perfect now. That's why there's the constant innovation and everything. But if you don't buy into the big tech narrative that all these little upstart companies are just you know, safe havens for evil white supremacist insurrectionists, then you should get involved in that. Try to be on those platforms as well. FreedomWire is on a lot of them. We are expanding to those platforms because big tech doesn't like us. Big tech has never liked what we have to say. That's why, as we pointed out, when big tech is bringing you this story, when media wants to cover this story, you know that things are not as they appear. But if you wanna make sure that you get to hear our perspective on things, which still is the one big tech does not want you to know about, be sure to do all that stuff Sean told you at the top of the episode, subscribe to the website, uh, subscribe to the channel, hit that bell notifications icon so that you never miss an episode every time we upload one. Then also follow us on our various social media pages. We'll have those linked down below. Yes, that includes Facebook and Twitter for now. They haven't kicked us off and we haven't decided to leave yet. It's a very unstable relationship there, but we'll you know, continue working on it. Also, YouTube doesn't like our message that much either, which is why we have audio-only versions of these episodes available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you get your listening material. Head over there, download the Freedom Wire podcast, take us with you on the go, never miss an episode, even if big tech decides to pull it because they don't want you to hear about it. Yeah, good, right. 
Good job, y'all. <laughs> now we out. <laughs> um, yet, yeah, uh, does anyone? I, I just, uh, I just can't wait to see the end of this. Um, like to see where this is going. It's always interesting. I wake up sometimes and I go, "Where's, where's the news cycle taking us?" And it was interesting over the last two days that this is where it led us. Um, but uh, it's funny how we are hosting this on a social media site. Yeah. <laughs> this video will be on a social media site. All right, guys. Uh, anybody have anything they want to close with? Yeah, just wanted to say we didn't talk about it today. It was, but maybe we'll talk about it another day. I just want to say for the parents that keep showing up at those uh, those school council meetings, or whatever those school board meetings, good for you. The the do there, you know, they're having success because the there's the DOJ is investigating them for terrorism charges or something. So good job, guys. That's this is federalism in action. This is what we need more of in this country. I love it. Seriously, I'm not even joking. Like it's awesome to see this. This is the first. This is a very positive sign for the country, as far as I'm concerned. I agree. Yep, I'm with you guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching. Hopefully you liked what you heard. More importantly, hopefully you agreed with it. Do all that stuff that Connor and I asked you to and uh, help us fight, continue to fight the liptocracy. Until next time, remember, you're Americans. You have rebel blood coursing through your veins. So stay free and God bless you guys.